Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. I had known Gary Mays, and I said I used to go here and preach when I was a little boy. Don't you love Gary? He's just a lovable guy, and he outpunted his coverage when he got Kathy because she's the secret weapon. I used to enjoy it when we had classes together. Kathy and I did. Of course, Gary was much older than us, but uh, <laughs> Kathy and I had some classes together, and I told her that the two things I remember, especially about Kathy, <clears throat> one was she was always smiling. I had, she has a, the, the joy of the Lord. I never remember her not smiling. She's a grinner. And I always liked that. And the other is when we had Dr. McCarty, and he was kind of rough. I laid low in that class. I asked no questions. I just sat in the room. But when Kathy was there, he behaved more because she was so sweet. And so I was always glad she was there. And I was glad to see her and Gary today because it has been a minute. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, all right, how long is he going to preach? And what's he going to preach on? Is this a long-winded preacher? Is this one of those long-winded kind of preacher days? Well, here's what I would tell you. We have a flight to catch. So I can't preach too long. And the other thing is, until just now, I I didn't see a clock. I was thinking, now that's dangerous. Because one of the first things I do when I visit a place is I see if there's one here. There's usually, it's either here or back there somewhere. But my buddy Tommy, Tommy, right? Tommy just put that clock up there. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's for me. And, I, I, and so that'll, that'll tell you, I'll try, to, I'll try to be careful because of all that. Don't want to be a long-winded preacher today. Now, as far as what I'm going to preach on, let me tell you what I'm not going to preach on first. I am not preaching on gluttony today because I've been here most of the week and I've been eating and eating and eating and eating. I'm telling you in Mississippi, which is where I'm from, we know how to eat. And Brookhaven folks, you do it well. And you've provided great food for me inside the house, outside the house. I mean, you got it all. And I think that is a good thing. As a matter of fact, my new best friend brought me from Janie's. Y'all know Janie's? Cinnamon rolls. It bigger than my head one morning. Not one, not two, not three, not four. Four. I ate one. Kelly ate three. <laughs> not really. I'm telling you. So I, I'm, not, I'm not speaking on gluttony today. I'm speaking on look. Now, I know some of you have got the worship guide. You've looked at the back, and you're thinking, did he say, wait, Luke? No, I didn't say Luke. And that's a parallel passage for where we're going in Mark chapter 2. If you have your Bible, please turn there. But we're going to look at look. 
Now we're going to look at the scripture. I'm going to read the passage. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation usually because somebody says, what, what version do you use? I use the New Living Translation. Sometimes I use the NIV, New L, the ESV. But today, the NLT is where I'm going to read from. Usually NIV is, would be my preference in, in preaching. But I, I'm, I'm going to look at a passage and we're going to look at it. But I, I want to tell you why I gave it that title. I've preached on this text before, not recently, and every time a, a preacher preaches, even though he's preached the text again, maybe again, a second or third, fourth time, it's usually different because he's different, the crowd's different, the, the illustrations can be different, but I've, I've never had a title entitled, Look. So I want to tell you a little bit more why I did that, because you've been looking at me the last few days. You've been looking at me. And I get it, because when you come in view of a call and you're looking at a guy, you want to you vote your convictions. You want the right person. You've been looking at me, and you should. But I want you to know something. I've been looking at you, too. I have been looking at you. Because I'm not looking for no job. You know what? I'm talking like Mississippi again, just like that. I've been in Florida for eight and a half years. I was born in Hattiesburg, raised in Kosciuszko, moved to Clinton High School. And I'm telling you, people make fun of my accent. I'm glad that here ain't nobody said nothing about my accent. So, I, But I'm just noticing it's kind of kicking in a little bit. <clears throat> I've been looking at you because I'm not looking for a job. I'm looking for God's assignment just like you're looking for God's man for your future. It's important that those things fit but i want you to know regardless of what happens this morning i have been blessed by your hospitality you represent the hospitality state well not just your church and this is a friendly church but also the community of brookhaven i went to school with some folks at mc from brookhaven I won't tell you all their names because that might work against me right now. (laughs) Loved them all. Great people. Got to see some of them. But also, more than that, your love to me represents Christ. You see, one of the things, the marks that Jesus told his disciples, they will know you by your love. One of the marks you want people to know about you when they talk about your church is love, friendliness, kindness. And that's what I've heard about you when I started getting to know your committee, doing a little research like you have on me, friendly, love, and accepting. Now, no church is perfect, just like no minister is perfect. But I'm telling you, that's a good thing because they were trying to trick Jesus of the greatest commandments, of the commandments, what are they love God love people keep loving people because you love God that's what he wants us to do so let's look at this passage Mark chapter 2 beginning with verse 1 when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later meaning after healing a man with leprosy the news spread Quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. Even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. 
They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there, their thoughts, they thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And then we see this discourse between Jesus and the religious leaders of the day, beginning with this verse 8. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you. In other words, so you will know. In the original language, that's knowledge beyond a shadow of a doubt. So you will know without a shadow of a doubt that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. I love that passage. We have never seen anything like this before. This is one of five texts in a row that's showing the authority of Jesus to heal, to forgive, to love. It's showing he's the infinite God-man. And it's showing that he had some tension with the religious leaders of the day. More about them in a minute. So this is one of five. It happens to be one that I'm typically drawn to because there's something that we're going to bring out eventually that's a little different about these four guys that seem to get it as far as what church was all about and the fact that Jesus had made a difference in their life and they wanted to make sure others, others, no matter who they were, what they looked like, their education, no education, knew Jesus because Jesus met people where they were and he loved everybody. And so here's what I want us to look at. You've got your worship guide. Here's the first thing. Let's look who came to Church. Now, let me explain to you, when I use the word church, the ecclesia is the church, the called out ones, the people of God. The church can be a house. That was fairly common. They were in a house. The church can be a building. In some countries, the church can be by a tree. The church is where God's people gather. The ecclesia, the called out ones, those that have been born again, that have a personal relationship with Christ. So here you have the different types of churches. You have the house churches, the ecclesia. It's a type. You have them in Old Testament, the type. You have the Acts where the church was birthed. You have the epistles that were written to the churches. And you have the seven churches in Revelation, one we'll refer to in a little bit. So the church, I want to make sure you understand, is God's idea, not man's. There are some wonderful organizations out there in our world, civic organizations, groups, exercise groups, music groups. Those things are, are great. 
parachurch groups, but there's nothing like the church. It is God's idea. It is biblical. So let's look at who came to church on this day. Who was present? First of all, there were religious people. Do you know that sometimes when people are around me and they may not know what I do, I'm not the guy that gets on the plane and gives them my business card. Hey, I'm a preacher. That's not me. And fine if they never know. And I think Gary's probably the same way. But sometimes when I get to know people, they may get me confused because they'll say, oh, you're a, they may say, oh, you're a religious person. I think, oh, yikes. Jesus had some strong words for religious people. No, not get what they mean. But the religious people in the Bible were typically the Pharisees. And that's who was here. They were in church. They were rigid. Let me tell you what one commentator, one theologian said. They were one of the four religious groups' teachers that were responsible for being sure everyone obeyed the law plus tradition. They kept adding to you got to do this, you got to do this, got to do this, can't do this, can't do this. Can't do. That sound familiar every once in a while? If you're going to be really Christian, you're going to be born again, you'll be in the Baptist church, can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. Be careful. It's relationship, it's not religion. So they kept adding to it, plus tradition that had been written down, spoken. Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, Zealots. The Pharisees were laymen. They were the separated brethren, the separated ones. They were separated to the law, to God, to the thought to righteousness they disdained anything in their minds they violated that violated separation they produced what really amounted to an impenetrable impossible system of self-righteousness that they themselves believed that their fastidious attention of all these little prescriptions had given them or granted them righteousness they were void of grace Void of repentance and void of salvation. Matthew 15, Jesus said, they had substituted tradition for the commands of God. They were likely toward the front as Jesus was there in their garb, paying close attention so they could add to their list against Jesus because Jesus was destroying their system. And he made them very uncomfortable about all the do's and don'ts and traditions as well as the law common language they were rule keepers tradition protectors and rock throwers rule keepers tradition protects we've always done it this way and rock throwers just ready to throw a rock do you know what i've experienced over the years every once in a while Those religious folks will ease into the church. You're always hopeful. They're not very many. God bless them. You love them and meet them right where they are. But you don't want a whole lot of that going on. Not when Jesus is in the house. And he was willing to confront it. And address it at the right time and the right way. But sometimes when church comes together, you got some folks like that. And they were there. They were rigid, religious people. By the way, they need Jesus too. I'm going to tell you who else was there. Faithful people. Man, there's at least four of them that got it. 
Faith is being sure of what you hope for and being certain of what you do not see. Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. For by grace are you saved through faith and this not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Here were these guys carrying this man on a mat. Now, why would they do that? Because they got it. Because when they went to church, they realized it wasn't just for information. It was for transformation. You see it in John 15, when we abide in him, he will bear much fruit. There is some wonderful information in this book. But when we are born again and we're connected and the Holy Spirit starts speaking to us through his holy word, we begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit and we begin to understand that we're to be salt and light. And when Jesus becomes our everything, then we want others to experience the hope we've experienced too. Christ in you, the hope of glory. They got it. As Southern Baptists, we're good about saying we make a great commotion about the Great Commission, and we should. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we need to have mission education. We need to give to the cooperative program. That's good. We also need to go. And we also need to understand we need to go right here where we are. For me, that's in St. Pete, Florida right now. For you, that's in Lincoln County, Brookhaven, and beyond right now. In other words, not to be odd for God, but to understand just like these guys that everybody needs Christ and he's counting on me to do whatever it takes to get them to him. That's why they did that. They were faithful people. They're religious people and there were broken people. It's obvious that man had some physical challenges. He was paralyzed. Some scholars believe the paralytic had syphilis and would have been seen as an outcast because of that disease. But here's what we know. We know he wanted to know Jesus. Listen, he had a lot of faith too. Let those guys carry him up those stairs on that flat roof. I just think about what that might have been like. The Bible says... The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And I think, man, can you imagine in those days you had this little house and you had a flat roof and a lot of times they would go up there on that roof and they'd have family gatherings and go hang out and talk. That was the way it was in those days. And these guys are carrying him. I like to visualize the scriptures. He's, they're carrying him up the roof because there's no, there's no room. And they start busting through all that mud and gravel and straw. And, and all of a sudden, I wonder what Jesus was doing. You know what I think he was doing? I think he was smiling. I don't think he was. Now, the religious guys were probably, what is in the world going on? I think he was smiling. I think he was pleased at their faith. And then all of a sudden, here comes this brokenhearted man. And he's doing this like, hey, Jesus. And I'm sure he smiled. He saw his faith. He healed him. Listen. <clears throat> there are a lot of broken-hearted people that need Jesus. Listen, there's some hearts probably breaking in this, in this building right now. I don't know who you are. Most of you, the majority of you, but God knows you and he knows what's going on. And it may be something happened recently and your heart is broken. 
could be because of a child or a job or a situation, an illness, but your heart is broken. Listen, be reminded the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And I can tell you this, I've been in Brookhaven long enough in the middle of eating those cinnamon rolls and all that other food and having a big time and seeing some people. There's some people in your community that need Jesus too because their heart is broken. And that's why I'm thankful for churches of Jesus Christ that are here in Lincoln County and beyond and certainly East Haven. Let me tell you who else came. Jesus. He was there. He was there. Don't you love it when Jesus comes to church? Because when he ain't here, it's awful. It's empty. It's dead. It's just religious jargon. We're just singing, but there's no heart. He knows. He's the judge. Thank goodness. He knows our heart. He knows our mind. He knows what's going on. And I love this passage because it reminds me that just because you gather doesn't mean Jesus is in the house. He was in the house. And I praise God for it because things were different with Jesus in the house. We're saved because of him. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose three days later. He appeared to over 500 people. He ascended at the right hand of the Father, this Jesus who walked on water. This Jesus who met the adulterous woman right where she was. This Jesus who said, Zacchaeus, a tax collector, I want to go to your house today. That's the Jesus we love. We adore and we should worship because this church, as well as other evangelical churches, are Jesus' church. I love it when Jesus comes to church. He was there. And we need to be reminded that that's not always the case. When Jesus calls Levi, this is in Luke chapter 5, the parallel to this passage is verses 17 through 26. But here's, here's what it says. Later, Levi held a banquet, this is his calling, in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees, there they were, there they are again, and their teacher of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. And you know what? Many do repent, and many are never the same, just like this guy was changed that day. And there's others in our community and your community that need it too. So we see all these different people who came to church, You had the religious people. You had the faithful people. You had the broken people. You had Jesus. They were all there. But let's look at who left church. Let's go back to that one verse. Verse 12, the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out, threw the stunned on them because they were amazed. Praise God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Who left church? Different people. They were changed. This man, obviously, was changed physically and spiritually. 
because Jesus met him where he was. He was a faithful man. He had faith in God. He saw Jesus and he changed his life. Listen, when we gather as the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ, there should be something that changes in us. An attitude, greater faith, greater understanding to help us be more like Jesus. It's not, it should not be cultural Christianity or just a ritual. That's gone on way too long in many churches. No, when we gather by God's grace, we leave with a more Christ-like attitude and a greater desire to love people and meet them where they are and by God's grace to be more like him and bear the fruit of the Spirit. We should, we should all leave a little different. Life can be hard out there. And it can be challenging in the home, the best of homes. And so that's why it's important to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I'm grateful for Facebook during all the COVID stuff. Man, wasn't that a challenge for all of us? But a lot of good came out of it. One of those is that. But we, we must understand the best place we can be when at all possible, not be legalistic about it, is with the people of God because we need one another. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. Who else left church excited people? They explained that they had never seen anything like that before. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And it's amazing when he is the focus, like Robert said earlier, that's who we're singing about. That's mainly who we're here for, to glorify him. I will draw all men to him, and things will be different. Now, we can't miss the catalyst for what happened here. The catalyst for what happened here is these guys were willing to do something different. Not just to do something different. Some people change things. Well, let's just try to keep up with the Joneses of the church down the street. Let's just change something. That's, not, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's not why you change things. They were willing to change things and go through the roof and go through all that and risk being looked at like because they cared enough about somebody to get them to Jesus. They were willing to be different. It's good to invite people to church or your small group. It's good to invite people to events. But every once in a while, certain churches and certain places at certain times need to do something a little bit different so people can meet Jesus and forever be changed. I'll tell you about something that happened in our church. I've been at Fifth Avenue in St. Pete, Florida, outside of Tampa for eight and a half years. Shortly after I got there, you know, when you come, you're trying to get the lay of the land and getting to know the people, and they're still, we're still looking at each other, and we're trying to understand, you know, how to do things with excellence on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, and occasionally do events and do things to reach out to people, because I'm telling you, where we are, it is a mission field. There's a lot of homelessness. That, that, I mean, it, I've never worked in an area quite like this. It's a church revitalization type of situation. I knew going in was going to be different. I know how different it'd be, but it's very different. So we're trying to figure out what can we do to reach these people that might be different. Had a lady, I'll just call her Rosemary because that's her name. (laughs) Rosemary came to me. She says, Pastor Howe, listen, 
I'm I'm able to get uh, potatoes outside of St. Pete. St. Pete is a city, about an hour or so. Free potatoes if you ever want to give them out to our community. Now, y'all, I'm thinking, now, Rosemary, you come up with a lot of good ideas. I mean, a lot of crazy ideas. And I'm just going to assume this might be a little bit too crazy. I mean, what are we going to do? Give out, hey, Free potato, boom, throw, you know, throw out, but what are we going to do as a church to do that? She, and so I just kind of, I got to tell you, Robert, I just kind of dismissed it as a rosemary idea. And I thought, mm, I'm, I'm a just, you know, I'm, mm, I'm free potatoes, I don't think so. She came back to me. I pastor, I'm telling you, I can get you free potatoes. Won't cost church a thing. You can give away free potatoes. So I decided, Dwayne, I thought, okay, I'm going to take it to staff meeting, and I'm going to see if, I'm, if, if they agree with me that that's nuts. So I brought a staff meeting, Brother Gary, and I, I, I shared with him. I said, look, Rosemary, I've known Rosemary a long time. She had been a part of our church in Florida in another church years ago. She moved to the area, joined our church, had this idea. So I knew Rosemary from way back and knew she could have some outlandish ideas. But I decided, you know, because sometimes, did you know, sometimes preachers, we don't know everything. Now, I know Brother Gary, he knows a lot, but there's, there's a lot we don't know. And I'm telling you, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. And I'm telling you, we brought that idea, and the staff kind of looked at each other and thought about it. And said, we, we beat around, we talked around and said, let's try it. Okay, we'll get some laymen involved. We'll get those that can do it on a Friday morning, the last Friday of every month from 2 to 4. We're going to gather on our corner, a busy corner. A lot of, lot of cars drive by 49th and 5th there at St. Petersburg, Florida. And we, from 2 to 4, are going to organize. We're going to go get those taters. We're going to bring them back. And we're going to load them taters in a bag. And when people drive, we're going to say free potatoes. And we did. We said free potatoes. This is where you park. You come in. They come drive through. We have conversations. We give them invite cards. Some have prayed to receive Christ. Some crazy staff member is in a Mr. Potato Head outfit out on the corner. Can you believe that one of our pastors would do that? He's looking at you right now. Would do that. It is one of the best. I'm telling you, if something happens and I leave one day, I will tell them it is the best outreach we do at the church. You know what we're known as now? The Potato Church. The Potato Church. Fifth, I'm at Fifth Avenue. Oh, you're the Potato Church. I know you. Now, what's that about? Meeting a need. And doing our best to represent Christ, be nice and kind. And when we have opportunity, not to beat them over the head with the King James Bible, but love them in Jesus' name. It's great. That's what. Thank you. That's what they're doing. That's what, regardless of what happens today, that's what you ought to keep doing. Look for ways to be a catalyst, to do something to get Jesus to them. And to show them you love them, you care about them. Now, I'm going to tell you about, <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you about one other place. I, I, well, I've noticed, I've told you about Janie's. I've noticed a lot of places. The old Coke plant. Man, I've been to the old Coke plant. I like it. You know what? I had a conversation with Miss Pag, Paget at the old. Y'all know Miss Paget? Man, she's a character. I like her. She's funny. No, I don't tell you exactly what she said. I'll tell you later. But she's a funny lady. She's a she's a hoot. <clears throat> so Miss Pygott, she tells us a story. Let me tell you what I 
Miss Paget, I don't know what's going to happen to old Coke plant, Coke plant, but I went in there just to make sure I knew what I was talking about. It's different. I could walk in the Coke plant with a tire. I could walk out of the Coke plant with a tire in one hand and a biscuit in another. It's different. They meet needs. They're trying to, 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 to uh, connect with the past. They're trying to connect with the present. They're trying to meet needs, make a buck, do things right, minister to the community. I get it. But it's the idea that I want to emphasize again like the potatoes. You find something that fits you and your community and you be a catalyst to do that in the name of Jesus and you don't worry about what people think. We're to please God and not man. Look. Look for ways to be different for Jesus' sake. And always look to him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Like John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Dear God, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. Help us to be more like you. And to God, to be willing to get out of our comfort zone in order to bring people to you, to share with people about you, and to help them know that you are the love of our life. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. In Christ's name, amen. I want to ask you to stand. I've not done